I'm excited to have my first female guest. She's done some amazing work for companies like Radio Shack, UNT Health, and now Girls Inc. of Tarrant County. Jennifer Trevino is the Chief Development Officer at Girls Inc. here in town, an all-around great person. As she goes into what Girls Inc. is doing in our backyard and how you can get involved on this episode of the Healthy Conversations. Enjoy. Jennifer, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me today, Matt. A little background. Jennifer is the Chief Development Officer at Girls Inc. You spent 10 plus years at UNT Health Sciences. You are the first female and the first nonprofit, I believe, on the podcast. So welcome. Awesome. Glad to be the first. All right. So let's jump right on in. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit about what you guys are doing at Girls Inc. and what led you there. So Girls Inc. of Tarrant County started back in Arlington in 1976. It was originally the Girls Clubs and over time migrated uh, to Girls Inc. of Tarrant County as an affiliate. Uh, So there's 80 some affiliates of Girls Inc. across the country and in Canada. So we're actually international. Um, There's four affiliates in Texas. So Tarrant County, Dallas, San Antonio and Houston. Uh, we have bragging rights in Tarrant County as being the, one of the biggest affiliates, not only from just a size and staff and budget, but also in the number of girls that we serve. Um, so, you know, we serve girls in a variety of ways, two primary ways. So long-term programs that are focused on mentorship, exposure to STEM, uh, and preventing or disrupting violence in gr- the lives of our girls. Uh, the other is shorter-term kind of outreach programs. So That helps build us a a pipeline of girls uh, to participate in our impact programs, but often addresses a single aspect of education or skill development. So it could be anti-bullying workshops, could be um, things like uh, a STEM workshop. Mm -hmm. So it could be really targeted, but also that helps us get our name out and get exposure to girls, especially if there are girls that don't have Girls Inc. in their schools. So it's a good way for them to experience Girls Inc. Can you provide some context and how it's set up? I know you guys are at certain schools and some context of just how many girls go through the program each year. Sure. Happy to. So one of the things that's a little bit different about Girls Inc. uh, compared to some other nonprofit organizations that are in the youth services, we go to where the girls are. So that makes it really uh, convenient for the girls. We're in their schools. So we partner heavily with Fort Worth ISD. Arlington ISD and Crowley ISD. So we're in their schools, but we're also in a variety of community centers, libraries, um, even some small ch- some churches that partner with us and host programs. And that helps us be at the um, level of serving girls at over 130 sites in Tarrant County in 2018. And over 6,000 girls received our comprehensive program. So they were in those longer term programs in their schools which means that they were interacting with us at least 50 hours a year. Oh, wow. So over 6,000 girls through that kind of programming. When you add in the one-time, shorter-term outreach kind of activities, we reached a uh, organization, and I'm, I'm so proud and thrilled to be part of my responsibility to do things like this, to help spread the word and talk about our mission. So one of the biggest surprises for me joining the Girls Inc. a year and a half ago was um, the number of girls that we serve. So mm-hmm. being in 130 sites across Tarrant County, both schools, libraries, community centers, and churches, um, you know, that really just gives us an opportunity to be where the girls are, and we don't have then the overhead of a center. 
so we can invest in staffing, um, and our staff is wonderful. Most of our uh, program staff have a social work background, so they really can assist in some light introductory counseling. They can really add value to the girls and help them work through some situations that maybe a school counselor who's focused on grade progression or the principal and the administration that's working, you know, dealing with a lot of behavioral issues, get to the root cause so that ultimately we have really good programs that help girls work through their problems, address issues, um, come up with healthier ways to handle stress and maybe some things that are going on at home. Um, And really, because ultimately, if it improves their attendance, then we all know that their academics are going to improve and they're likely to be more successful Mm -hmm. and graduate and go on to do other things. So uh, that's really part of our our goal is to have these girls be, you know, our, our mission is to inspire them to be strong, smart, and bold because we want them to grow up to be uh, smart, healthy, educated, and economically independent women. That's that are, awesome. That are serving our community. So Yeah. Uh, I mean, serving that many women here in Tarrant County alone, I mean, mm-hmm. what are some of the biggest challenges outside of traditional just fundraising? Um, I think, you know, we have more demand in many ways than we can serve. So, you know, none of the, even the partnerships we have with the school districts, they have, we have a contracts and agreements, so that pays for some of the funding, of course. Um, but just making sure that we're where we can do a good job. So we don't want to spread ourselves too thin. So just like any organization and deal with resources and constraints, that's one of the things is making sure we have enough staff. We've recently invested in a college and career department. Uh, so we have a director and uh, a coordinator. We have a STEM director. We've added a second coordinator to that department. So we are investing in those areas, those programs um, around STEM, which lines up perfectly with workforce development as long as well as our college and career. And that lays over the um, uh, Girls Inc. programs around economic literacy, uh, STEM, um, our friendly persuasion, which is around prevention of um, drug and alcohol abuse, our bold futures, which is helping address girls that have had trauma, and then packaging all of that so there's more wraparound services for the girls. Okay. I mean, how early do you guys come in contact with these girls, and when do they call it leave the program? Is it like junior high and high school? Is it through college? When? What are the typical years? So one of the other things that I learned that was really surprising when I joined Girls Inc. a year and a half ago was the fact that we have programs for girls starting in kindergarten all the way through their freshman year of college. And that freshman year of college is something new. So we have, um, we're the only affiliate that I know of in the country that's done this. So Girls Inc. here, our leadership was really pretty visionary. A lot of um, youth serving organizations, to no fault of their own, focus on K through 12. So if you remember back to how you felt or what how, what maturity level you were as a high school senior and then suddenly going off to college, there's still some some need there. And so many of our girls are not only uh, first-generation high school students, high school graduates. Mm-hmm. Many of them, of course, then on top of that, they're, they're first-generation college students. So they need that socio-health and uh, uh, background, that, uh, that extra support system yeah. to do well in college. Interesting. And is a lot of that done just like on a one-on-one basis? Because right. that's obviously very personal. So like, how can you give an example of what that looks like? Sure. So it's not only our staff and them working with girls 
as far as as early as eighth grade. But then in their freshman year of college, they're paired. So we have a program, the mentoring program. It's a one-on-one. So we have community leaders, community members who are committing a year uh, from the girls, their spring semester of their senior year, all the way through the end of their freshman year. Because the research shows that that mentoring makes a huge difference in uh, first-generation college students not only completing their first semester, but their second semester, and then continuing on. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, you talked about the, uh, I guess, logo being strong, smart, and bold. Can you yeah. elaborate on what role like health plays in sure. the, the general programming, given the, the nature of this podcast and health and yeah. whatnot? So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Well, one of the things we talk about is the girls and girl experience and whole whole girl programming. And that is really packaging STEM economic literacy and how a girl fits in the economy. Um, Not only just the programs and career exposures that we want to have them, but we also teach them about stress and healthy relationships and nutrition and exercise and sports and teams and what does that look like. And so we intertwine all of that in as well because you can't, uh, if you're not, as as we know as adults, you're not healthy, it affects so many other aspects of your life. absolutely. And a big part, I think, that we excel at is the the stress management, you know, really helping. The, the youth today have some stressors that I didn't have when I was growing up. Social yeah. media didn't exist. You know, we didn't all have this high-powered phone, computer in our back pocket. Um, there's just a lot out there that's changed that brings a whole other host of issues. Yeah, I can imagine so. I mean, what are some of the ways outside of what you see, I mean— um, is there anything specific that comes top of mind on that front that somebody might not have thought of themselves, even if they're 30 or 40, that you guys are yeah. teaching these kids? Uh, well, you know, social media is definitely a hot, hot topic, you yeah. know, and dealing with that, you know, since you have younger and younger students, you know, as probably as young as 10, if not even eight or nine that are starting to Do have they phones. they all have phones? Yeah. More and more they okay. are. Um, and some of it's a safety issue, and it's a good thing. But yeah. at the same time, or they're using them in their classrooms. But, yeah, it's pretty uncommon, I think, especially at a high school level, for a student to not have a phone. So, you know, getting them to understand how to navigate the Internet and use it as a tool, but also, like, managing screen time and when to put the phone down and, then, you know, of course, make those healthy decisions around driving and being distracted. Um, those are all things that, you know, many of us didn't have to deal with when we were growing up. But um, really even getting them to understand that early on they're creating their kind of brand, per- their personality, their brand online and the things that they put out there. I know that's a whole other business line for some companies now yeah. to help scrub your, pers- your your social media. But, you know, that things are get out there and you just need to be mindful of it. Absolutely. I mean, you've hit on a lot of good topics. I mean, what are some ways that people can donate or uh, get involved with the organization? So we have a variety of programs. Uh, so we have partnerships with things like um, programs at schools where... Um, we have career professionals, so we have a team of women from Lockheed that come in on a regular basis to one of our elementary schools in the north side and work with the girls on STEM-related activities. So we have things like that that uh, folks can get involved with through their company. A lot of women's networks within companies will do those kinds of activities with us. Um, other ways, we have events. So we have some, uh, three big events a year, so we have an event committee that goes with that. So it can be day of logistics beforehand. It can be 
um, helping us do some fundraising, um, securing other volunteers. Uh, that's another way to get involved. The other is being our one of our boost mentors. So that freshman year of college, with that mentor with the girls. So every year we have, so far we have 30 girls uh, that are participating each year. So um, we have a lot of mentors that come back, but we also have new ones that roll into. And so there's an opportunity for women uh, in the community to get involved in that aspect. Uh, we support having men be involved as well um, because it really does set a strong example for the girls to know that there are men that will advocate for them in the world, that there are men, whether it's bosses or um, mentors or just peers or advocates that value the diversity that they bring to the table too. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, that pretty much hit on all the major topics I had. I always like to wrap yeah. it up with a couple easy questions. Sure. I mean, um, what is something that you believe in that few others do? It's a question I often ask. Uh, so I'd love to hear your perspective, just given that you've worked for uh, a large UNT program mm -hmm. and you ran for city council. So mm -hmm. you've got a little different experience than a lot of the guests. So I'd right. love to get your take Say on that. Say that one more time just yeah. to make sure I got it. What is something you believe in that few others do? I think when you look at the variety of things I've done in my career and the uh, the the common thread that you can intertwine is that you know ultimately everything I'm trying to do, whether it's work or in the community, is to make a difference. You know, I strongly believe that we all have an opportunity to give back, um, and so if I can lend my time, talents, or resources to things that are going to make a difference, you know, so for example, I didn't win my city council race. But I have an opportunity now with Girls Inc. to expose them to other female leaders, other candidates, and so that they understand that and they know what it looks like when a woman runs for office. Yeah. Um, so that they that it becomes more commonplace. Yeah. That they know what it looks like to see women engineers or women CEOs, all those kinds of things. And so I think there's a common thread there. Not to say, you know, there's nothing against the guys, of course. Yeah. Um, because a lot of what I'm able to do is because of my husband. He is super uh, supportive. You know, we've been married almost 18 years, and uh, most, you know, he's always saying, yeah, go for it, you know. That's awesome. Uh, this question just kind of came to me, but, sure. I mean, you hit on it, uh, giving back and whatnot. How has that helped, I guess, guide your career? And I know I went to a TCU presentation earlier this week, and it was a female CEO of Vitamin Shop, and she talked about a similar approach and kind of creating her own board of directors around her, mm -hmm. and that helped guide her career because she's worked at tons of different companies, mm -hmm. some for longer than others. Um, how has, I guess, that helped guide how long you stay at a company or things mm -hmm. like that? Yeah, that's a that's a good question too. Um, I think, you know, we spend a lot of time at work, yeah. right? You know, I don't know the last time I only worked a forty hour week. You know, I can't even think back to that from working out of college at H E B Grocery, still some of the best management training I've ever experienced, to working at the corporate office of Radio Shack, and then uh, being a lot longer than I expected at UNT Health Science Center, working for two different university presidents. Um, as chief of staff and then running for office and doing consulting work. And then I didn't even predict that I would be, land at Girls Inc. I had talked about making the jump to nonprofit 
probably back as early as 2016. But uh, I think for me, tying all that together and figuring out when when to make the move, I think you just kind of know. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes you do have people around you. So I do feel like, to your point, I have a strong tribe of women or yeah, friends sure. and family and um, board of directors type folks that nudge me. Um, that know me really well and so that I can push back and we can kind of debate or banter. And uh, um, I, I guess recognizing two earlier parts of my career where the fire, the spirit, the passion for what I was doing, it was a, maybe a good job, but I'm one of those people that is wired to, to need to be able to connect the heart and the mind. Yeah. And so I don't know that I would do this kind of work for another nonprofit. The mission really speaks speaks to both my heart and my mind. So I think from that aspect, that's my advice to, you know, folks, if you can find your passion, then it's, you know, I'm excited to go to work every day. Yeah, as you should be. Uh, I mean, I think picking up on your your common themes uh, across your work is very important and does take quite a bit of time and connecting it to the mission is very important. So, I mean, I think that's a, a great place to end it. Yeah. Jennifer, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for giving the show a listen. Uh, please do me a favor before you stop listening. Subscribe on whatever platform you're on. Uh, if you loved it so much and you've already subscribed, share this episode with a friend. Thanks again, and I'll see you next week. Matt McGee is an employee of Frost Insurance. All opinions shared by Matt or guests of the Healthy Conversations podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Frost Insurance or Frost Bank. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for insurance, banking, or investment advice. Healthy Conversations with Matt McGee is brought to you by Straight Up Podcasts.